What's going on, guys? It's JP from The Chase Down, and I'm here with my co-host, Ben. Welcome back, everybody. What's going on? And last episode, we did an Eastern Conference breakdown, so it's only right we do a Western Conference breakdown. We're going to go through all the seeds for you, 1 through 15 in the West, and let's just hop right into it. I'm going to lead this one off because I'm passionate about this. Clippers are going to be the number one seed in the West, and... I'm the biggest Kawhi fan on the planet. I know everyone who listens to this podcast knows that. Um, yes, he is super injury prone. Yes, Paul George is super injury prone. Both of these players will miss 25 games next year. It's no doubt. I think this team is 11 deep. They legitimately have the deepest roster in the league. I think the Celtics are right there with them, but I, I think the Clippers take the cake. This team is so deep. And they have the superstars, so when they are playing, it's you have like a, an 80% chance that you're going to win the game if you have Kawhi and Paul George playing on the same team. So I'm super confident, and they have a top-five head coach. Ty Lue is like an amazing head coach. I have a ton of respect for him. I just think it's their, their year to be the number one seed. I agree. I think they're a 60-win team. Um, they're my number one seed as well. I think when you talk about how deep they are, their talents, their 11 guys – um, not only are they like good NBA players, they're like really good. A lot of these guys would be starting on other teams. Absolutely. Uh, Luke Kennard seemed like a useless dude, but sick shooter, really sick shooter. Uh, Norm Powell, the fact they have him is crazy. Uh, Kawhi, obviously, Paul George, obviously, they got John Wall. I think he's going to be a great six man. Um, and they play so well together. Ty Lue is such a good coach. I really think he's, you know, you can argue he's top three in the league. Um, there's a lot of top three coaches in the league. It's a really, really like, there's some great head coaches in the NBA right now, but Tyloo is excellent. And the way he is able to run the squad without Kawhi and Paul George makes me very confident that they'll do f just fine in the games that they miss. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, if Kawhi doesn't get hurt in that Utah jazz series, I think they're the NBA champions. Um, I've said that on this podcast multiple times, um, the way Kawhi was playing, you don't beat players that play that well. Uh, 36 and 5 on 50, 50, 90. It's like, no, 60, 40, 90. You're shooting 60% from the floor. It just, you don't lose. You when don't he's healthy, lose. he's the greatest playoff player in basketball. And I, I don't think it's questionable. I think it's LeBron because he's obviously a top two player of all time. But right below that, in terms of healthy players, it's Kawhi Leonard. And He's just that guy, and uh, I'm just super excited. And another thing I want to touch on with the Clippers that I think is just super interesting is they're one of the few teams that really can dominate you with small ball. They have so many wings, they have so many forwards, and they have talented guards, and they can just deploy like a whole lineup of six, eight dudes and just destroy you. Um, we've seen that some teams moving towards bigger guys, like we saw with the Celtics last year, like they have the the players to do a small ball lineup. They elected to have two big guys out there at the same time, and it works. But with the Clippers, they can kill you with space and pace and just open mid-range shots and pick and roll. It's I'm very excited to watch these guys play. Yeah, they I mean, they trick a lot of other teams into thinking that other teams can handle doing small ball. The Clippers do it so well that other teams try to mimic their strategy and it fails so miserably for them. But the Clippers really do it better than anybody else. Robert Covington is apparently a center. Like at six foot seven, he can yeah. play that position pretty well. Um, 
I want to ask you though, Kawhi Leonard's 31 years old. That's yeah. I think just outside of your prime as an NBA player, maybe just towards the tail end of a prime. If you want to say it's like 27 to 31, whatever. Yeah. Um, coming off a entire missed season with an ACL tear um, injury prone more than anybody else in the NBA how worried are you for his health for this regular season? Obviously, we know he's going to miss at least 25 games, but how worried are you about another big injury coming? I'm not worried at all, and that could be super optimistic, but I'm under the impression that he easily could have played last year um, at the end of the season. I think the, the few photos we saw of him and like the very light workouts we saw of him, it looked like, <laughs> hey, this guy could probably play in the play-in, and then once Paul George got COVID, they were like, all right, fuck it. The season's over. We're heading into next season as a title contender. Um, so I think he could have played the last two months of last season. And now he just had like a four month break to just get e into even better shape. Um, I, I think he hits the ground running. I think he's fully healthy. I think for the first like 10 to 12 games, we might see some inefficiency problems with him, but I mean, once he gets that mid-range going, we're this is a first-team All-NBA guy. Like, I know Jason Tatum's on the rise and stuff like that. Kawhi Leonard is just better, in my opinion. So, I, I think he just claims his spot as first-team All-NBA all over again. I think it's hard to justify it when you're missing so many games, but obviously he's talented enough. <clears throat> um, I mean, he made on... it his last full season. He made first-team All-NBA. I mean, you and know, he only what, played what is a full season games. for Kawhi Leonard? 52. He only played 52 games and he got yeah. voted first team all NBA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how I feel about that, but obviously he he is a spectacular player. He really is. Um, Paul George was on MVP watch uh, during the first couple of months of last season because he was shooting 50 percent from the three point line over the first two months of basketball. Um, he's the smoothest basketball player in the NBA right now. You know, you said something funny last episode with DeMar DeRozan. Like, he's your favorite player's favorite player. Yeah. I feel the same way about Paul George. Just, yeah. like, watching him slip and slide through angles and just get to the rim or shoot 50%. For... He's such a cool player to watch. Yeah, when he's on, he is the smoothest player in basketball. And it's really not that close. Um, he gets wherever he wants to get. He can hit the shot from anywhere on the court. He finishes really well with both hands um it's really going to be awesome to watch them play together and i'm really hoping they come out the gates healthy um so yeah i think they're a no-brainer for the one seed I, I think the only team that can challenge them going into my two seed here is the denver nuggets um i am expecting great things from the denver nuggets this year bruce Bar bruce brown is a great addition um he's going to be an excellent extra piece for them and then Michael Porter Jr. should be back healthy. Jamal Murray should be back healthy. I think there's a chance Nikola Jokic gets a third MVP in a row. Um, I really have really high expectations for this squad. So I actually have the Nuggets, the two seed as well. And because you just brought it up, I'll just give a spoiler. My MVP, MVP pick for next year is Nikola Jokic. I think he's going to join Larry Bird as the only player in NBA history to win three MVPs in a row. Um, I just, you know, he's got, people were starting to get mad. I think last year, like, oh, he's just the advanced analytics guy. Like, why is he getting votes? Why is he the MVP over Embiid? Whatever. I think I thought that whole thing was so stupid. Yeah. Um, he's clearly one of the most valuable players in the league. And last year he was the most valuable player in the league. What we're going to see is now the win total is going to be there too. 
He's not going to be on a six seed bum team surrounded by a bunch of dudes that can't play basketball. He's going to have Michael Porter Jr., who's a 6'11", Clay Thompson. He's going to have Jamal Murray, who's a dynamic guard, can give you 20 points a night. And then he's going to be the center of the universe. That team's going to win a lot of games, and Jokic is going to be incredible. I agree. Um, There's a lot of people who have never taken a stats class before and who get really upset about analytics. Um, And as a math dork, I, you know, I'm a big fan of analytics. I'm a big fan of that side of basketball. Um, He is one of the most, uh, he's one of the best players in basketball right now. You want to call Giannis the best? I think that's fine, but they're one A and one B. Nobody does more offensively for their team than Jokic. I think that's just a fact. Uh, You know, you want to talk about advanced stats like win shares. He's number one by a wide margin. He adds more wins to your team than other players are capable of because he just does so much with the ball. Um, KCP is another addition to this team. All he does is play lockdown defense and hit threes and drive when you need him to. Um, I really think this is going to be an incredible year for him. And I would love to see a third MVP. I think that would be awesome. The whole argument with Embiid last year was dumb because Embiid had an excellent year. He really did have a fantastic year. Jokic shot 12% better than him from two-point land. So we want to talk about someone being a dominant force in the paint. He's got to shoot more efficiently to be the more dominant force. Uh, Jokic deserved that award. He carried a bunch of bums into the playoffs. Um, I'm excited for them. I really, health is the only thing holding them back. I don't know if Michael Porter Jr. can play. Um, he's always been a lanky, weird looking dude. Who's just like, he just seems frail when he plays. Um, so I'm a little worried about him, but Jamal Murray should come back running. He seemed kind of like Kawhi and Paul George. Like he could have came back at the end of last season. if They really were fighting for something, but he just wasn't there yet mentally. Um, I think the off season was great for him. And I think he's got a chance to squeak into an all-star game, uh, because he's got the talent for it. Yeah, he certainly does. He He's on the Darius Garland, Shea Gilgis-Alexander level, in my opinion. He's in that realm of players where it's like he can really take control of the game. He can – it might not be on like a nightly basis like our top guys like Kawhi, LeBron, KD, Jokic, these type of guys. But there are nights where Jamal Murray controls an entire game from tip-off till the end of the game. And I yeah. think that's super valuable alongside Jokic. Um just going back to Michael Porter Jr., I'm a huge fan of his game. I just think to have a guy who's six foot eleven and can shoot forty five percent from three, uncontested threes, yeah, like contested. It does not matter whether he's contested or uncontested. The ball's going through the hoop, mm-hmm. and it helps getting the most wide open shots in the league because you have Jokic on your team. So I'm just like, if he can stay healthy, and I don't need to see eighty two games from this guy. I need to see like. 60 if he can play 60 games this team's going to be very very dangerous I would like to see Michael Porter Jr. load managed because his back scares me um he's had back issues since college it was the reason he fell as far as he did in the draft because everybody knew he was a six scorer um load manage him and keep him healthy for the playoffs I think that's very smart people forget Jamal Murray scored 50 points without a free throw yeah, in a game, he's he is incredible, and he can heat up unlike other people. His bubble run was pretty incredible. Um, there, I think the the Clippers and the Nuggets are both hovering around sixty wins. So it's 60 hard to say wins. that because there's so yeah. many good teams in the West, but I just can't see either of them losing. 
I'm going to dip below that number. 60 is a special number to me. Only the really, truly great teams do it. Um, I think the Clippers are a great team, but we do have to factor in their injuries, even though, like I said, I think they're super deep. And the Nuggets, I'd like to see... I'd like to see the injuries play out because we're not sure Jamal Murray is going to be 100% right away. He could be exactly like Kawhi and what I'm thinking. Like maybe he was ready at the end of last season. He he hits the ground running, but we're not sure. So, um, but one more thing about Michael Porter Jr. You brought it up. His back injury made him fall in the draft. Like he would have been the second player chosen. Yeah. At, like it was him and Luca. Those were the prizes of those drafts. How DeAndre Ayton went first overall is because Michael Porter Jr. broke his back. Like, if he stays healthy, he's going number one, probably, which is still stupid. Luca should have gone number one. But it's just, it shows you how highly he was thought of as a high school player. Mm-hmm. Um, let's move on to the Warriors at three for me. Reigning champions, they still have Steph Curry. Klay Thompson is hopefully going to look better into next season. Um, Because he didn't really impress me last year, honestly. Like, he was pretty horrible. He did play great defense in the finals, which kind of shocked me. But in terms of just shooting and an offensive player, I think he looked like a guy who was injured to me. Um, And the efficiency backs that up for sure. Draymond Green a special, special defender. I'm of the mindset that if he didn't hurt his back last year, he was the defensive player of the year. Um, He controls games in such a unique way. Um, So I just love that team. And they still have Jordan Poole, who's a great regular season piece. We saw in the playoffs that he rode the bench quite for quite a while. Um, But in the regular season, you need guys who can just go out there and score 20 points. And Jordan Poole is that guy. He really is. Yeah, I have the Warriors as my three seed as well. Um, Steph Curry cooled down a little bit in last year's regular season. And we started maybe thinking like, is this the start of something? Is he starting to decline? And then yeah. the playoffs came and he said, no, fuck that. I'm still great. Exactly. Um, so I'm expecting, you know, same old Steph Curry coming into next season. Clay Thompson, I think might be a little past his best years. Um, I'm not expecting him to ever be the Clay Thompson of old, obviously wide open threes or moving around screens he can do that sort of stuff the relocate threes he's always going to be good for that um but you're right he did play like somebody who was hurt maybe the offseason was good for him to get that back uh they added Dante DiVincenzo and I think Mm -hmm. he's an excellent rotation piece uh Andrew Mm -hmm. Wiggins seems to enjoy playing basketball and who knows what the the limit is the ceiling is for him and Moses Moody is now going to be a legitimate part of this rotation yes and I've heard some weird reports about Kaminga. Stephen A went on first take and said like some crazy shit about Kaminga. Basically, he doesn't care about basketball. And he's yeah, he's got very... some personality issues. Yeah, which is like, wow, that sucks. Because yeah. we saw the athleticism and the flashes on defense last year. And we were like, mm. holy shit, he could be great. But I mean, if that's true, they still have Moody and Andrew Wiggins who love playing basketball. So like, yeah, hey, that works. Kavon Looney, extra, excellent piece. Um, They got you know, Jermichael Green. He's old, but he's good. Yeah. Um. They got seven or eight guys that are really talented. Jonathan Kaminga is an interesting X factor because we know his ceiling is ridiculous. He is, you know, one of the most athletic six eight guys in the NBA. Strong as hell, fast as hell, can jump out of the gym. He really can do it all. Um. But I'm hearing the same things you're hearing that he just doesn't care enough. And I kind of believe it. They started talking about him earlier in last season as this dude that was going to replace Draymond or whatever, and he's never been that sort of defender. 
Um, right before he got drafted, he was an excellent shot creator and a really bad shot maker. Yeah. Um, and we've started to see the shots fall a little bit. I'd expect his offense to be really good before I ever expect him to be some all defense level guy. So that's interesting because last year I watched him and there were games where he had like 20 plus points on like 12 shots. Like he would go like eight for 12 and you'd just be like, where the fuck did that come from? But I really liked his competitive competitiveness on the defensive end and some of the like shit he would do. Like he guarded LeBron and kind of held his own for a Mm -hmm. rookie. He has the stature. He has the body. It seemed like he had the drive to play defense. I'm confused what's changed in the off season. Maybe like, it's a work ethic thing. Maybe he has no problem locking in when it's game time, when it's actually ready to go, but he just doesn't put in the same amount of effort in the off season. Because the, what I see for his potential career path is taking over Andre Iguodala or Andrew Wiggins role as just the two way wing who doesn't need to be the best player on the team, but can like really contribute to winning. So I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the reports because like it's not like he has to be an all star for him to be a hit in the draft. Like yeah, he just needs to be able to fill in what Iguodala or Wiggins did. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear it from Stephen A. First, I did hear Stephen A. talk about it, but I've heard yeah. a couple of sources around the Warriors talk about Jonathan Kaminga's lack of a work ethic, and maybe it is just the training and the off season, and you you know because they're totally different players, but Shaq did not give a shit when it comes to training in the off season, but when it was time to play, he played hard. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's a similar sort of thing with Kamingo when it's game time, he'll play as hard as he can, but he just doesn't work that hard in the off time to keep getting better. Right. We'll have to see. Cause he does have good defensive potential. Yeah. He, he is a, a, a real X factor for them. And so is Moody. Like if yes. Moody's a good rotation, next, a player next year, like that mm-hmm. team is very dangerous. I agree. Um, this is where I think we're going to start having different answers here. The top three seeds seem like a lock. Number four, I don't know where you're going to place this team, but I'm about as high on this team in terms of entertainment and like, you know, what they're going to bring as I can possibly be. And that's the Pelicans as my four seed. They were an eight seed last year without Zion. Yeah. Zion is one of the most efficient, high scoring paint presences that we've seen in a long time. Um, 27 points per game on 60 something percent true shooting. People are not doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, if he could play 60 games next season, if the if the feet are okay, if he can actually handle his weight, I don't see them losing a lot of games. Uh, I love CJ McCollum as the the main guy, as the guy running the point. I think they could be a four seed. I would for I want to premise preface that with I want it, I would love to see that yeah like that would be a dream come true if Zion could stay healthy and that team is has home court advantage that would be fucking awesome yeah um I don't mind your pick the only issue I have is like it's an on paper thing right like we've seen this in past where it's like a team overperforms and then they get a really important player back. And then we immediately think, hey, they need to add 10 wins next season. And sometimes it doesn't happen. So mm-hmm. I'm a little anxious about that. But in theory, you add a what I think is a top 12 player in the league. Yeah. When he was in his second year. Yeah. So when he was 20 years old, he was a top 12 player in the league. Yeah. If we just assume he gets a little better than the last time we saw him play. He's a top fucking like seven player in the league, and you're adding him to a team who just took the Phoenix Suns to six games. Like it makes so much sense. So mm-hmm. I, I have no issue with you putting them there. 
I have the Grizzlies just because they seem like the new age jazz. Like it just seems like they're just a machine that goes, 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 wins games, wins games. John Morant, a very special player. And then they just have a bunch of role guys who really know how to do their job well. And it yeah. just leads to wins. Mine's a little more boring than yours, but I think both of those are like realistic spots for both teams. I think so too. I think you're going to be surprised at where I have the Grizzlies. We'll get to that later. Okay. Um, because I like the Grizzlies and we've counted them out year after year and they just yeah. keep being a high seed. But when it comes to high-end talent, the Pelicans have more, the Suns have more. Um, there are some teams that I would just expect on paper to win more games. And you're probably right. It just doesn't end up happening. And the, you know, 12 B plus guys on the Grizzlies are able to just bring them to wins. That's my thing. Um, cause that, you know, they took a game off the Warriors last year without John ja Morant. They were 20 and five without jaw. Yeah. Um, they're not, they don't need one guy for them to be a star. They have so much talent in every position. I think it's definitely possible for them to be a four seed. I think I put the Pelicans at four just because I want to see that. And, and I get that. And it's not like a, a pie in the sky type of right. prediction. Like that could actually happen. But I'm looking at the standings from last year. If you had to guess without looking, how many games do you think Memphis won last year? 52. 56. Wow. Like they were a dominant team from start to finish. And that's with John Morant missing, I think, 20 something games last yeah. year. So this is just a well-oiled machine that knows how to come in, in and out of cities and win games and leave. Yeah. I, I just don't want to discount what they did last year. I want to give them credit. And it's very possible that John Morant levels up again. It is. Yeah. And I love David Roddy, their pick from the, their late first round pick. Um, Jake LaRavia is kind of nothing. Jaron Jackson Jr. could be a defensive player of the year. Um they've got really, really interesting pieces and it's definitely possible that they take a four seed because they just have so much talent and kind of like Ty Lue, I think Taylor Jenkins does a good job of just making the team work as a unit. There's not a lot of individual needing to get stats. It's just, they work as a team and they get the best looks that they can. Yeah. So moving on to my five seed, I have the Phoenix Suns. Um, Chris Paul, is Chris Paul. He's still a good player. Yes, he's <laughs> almost 40 now. I think he's 39. Yeah. Um, But he's still an all-NBA caliber guard. Mm-hmm. Mikhail Bridges, great defender. DeAndre Ayton, good rebounder, decent defender. Devin Booker, great scorer. They still, they still have talent, and they're kind of similar to the Grizzlies in the sense that they're just a machine. They win games in the regular season, and I, I don't want to discredit them too much. Yeah, they're my five seed as well. Uh, I think the ceiling is going to depend on Chris Paul um, because you saw at the end of last year's playoffs when they lost to the Mavs, Chris Paul was shit. He was terrible. Awful. Um, and, you know, he tore his everything. He had COVID <laughs> and he had the flu and his dog died. Whatever excuses he's <laughs> thrown out um, <laughs> on why he was so terrible. We'll, we'll have to see in the regular season this year if it was a fluke <laughs> or if he really was dealing with some shit. Um, because that was a little bit worrying to see yeah. that decline in real time. He better have been injured. Um, Devin Booker, I think gets a little overrated, but he is excellent. He is overrated. Piece. I do. I do want to say that's an awesome point because he is a, he was voted first team all NBA last year. Yeah. He's not, he's not, he's not <laughs> that yeah. period. Like yeah. he's not a first team all NBA guy. 
he is a guy who's on a team that won 64 games. That's what that is. Yes. And, you know, if a handful of players are injured across the league like they were last year, you can maybe argue that he's the 10th best player in the NBA, but it's not right. like in a healthy NBA season he would be. Um, but he is great. He, he's yes. year after year. Um, and then they just, you're right, they just have a team full of role players who know their job. Jay Crowder, Dario Saric, if he ever comes back, Campaign, Torrey Craig, Kale Bridges, Landry Shamit. Um, Bismack Biombo played good minutes for this team with Chris Paul. Yep. Um, their X factor is going to be DeAndre Ayton. He got his money, but it took a lot of standoff from Robert Sarver, who we covered last episode's a piece of shit. Fuck Robert Sarver. Fuck Robert Sarver. <laughs> um, yeah, but he got his money. Um, we've never seen the sort of aggression that we want to see from him because he's a dude who could score six more points and have four more boards a game if he just wanted that enough. Absolutely. Um, He's more talented than most bigs in the NBA. He just doesn't play like it. He just kind of like shrinks into his role and doesn't try to do anything else. Um, I'd love to see him just be dominant. I don't think we're going to see it, but I'd love it. Yeah. I remember the first year we did this podcast, I was telling people to put their mortgages on DeAndre Ayton being the most improved player that year. Yeah. Because he just seems like such a surefire 22 and 12 type of yep. guy, but he just doesn't have the attitude to be a 22 and 12 type of guy, which is so upsetting and frustrating. But he's still an above average NBA player, probably like a top 40 player in the league, which is still super valuable. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the Suns, I'm looking at Devin Booker. Maybe he is a first team all NBA guy. I forgot how good his stats were last year. He was 20... last season. He earned it last season. Yeah. But he's not getting another one of those. 27 points on 46% from the floor, uh, 38% from three. And uh, where's that free throw percentage? 87 from the line. So yeah, he was like elite efficiency, elite scoring. And he got a little better on defense last year as well. So yeah, the Suns are the Suns, man. We got to put some respect on their name. They've had some decent playoff success. They made that finals. Uh, they sucked last year. Uh, but, hey, we got to give them some respect. I'm going to move on to my sixth seed, and I have the Minnesota Timberwolves here. I have stated this. I think Anthony Edwards is probably going to be an MVP candidate this year. Um, I don't know if that's hyperbole or not. Like, I don't know if that's people think that's crazy. I think he will probably end up in top five in voting. Um, I think he's just going to pop. I think this is his pop year because I forget how young this dude is. Like, I love Evan Mobley and is the same age as him, but he's had two years of experience instead of one. Like, he's so freaking young and he's already scoring 20 points per game. He's already hitting massive shots in the playoffs. Like, he just has the attitude of, hey, I'm a top five player in this league and I believe him. So I think Anthony Edwards, alongside Carl Anthony Towns, who has his warts, but is a 25-point-per-game scorer, and he's one of the best in the game to do it in terms of efficiency. And then you add their huge offseason acquisition in Rudy Gobert, who's one of the best rim defenders of all time. I just think it works out. I think I think it's a great fit. I think they get a locked-in playoff spot. Yeah, there are some funky teams uh, this season. There's some teams doing some stuff, playing in a way that most teams aren't playing, and the yeah. Timberwolves are one of them. Absolutely. Um, they're also my sixth seed, and I think it's totally reasonable what you say. I know, I know, we'll get there. 
Um, I think it's totally reasonable what you're saying about Anthony Edwards. He is that guy. There are some players in the NBA that they're on losing teams and they still show out. And you just think like, imagine if their team was fighting for the playoffs, what would he be doing? Um, Anthony Edwards is that guy. Now that this team's got real hopes, I expect him to not only be the best guy on the Timberwolves by far, I expect him to make an all-star game next year. Uh, I expect him to sneak into an all-NBA team next year. Um, and I think top five in MVP voting is reasonable. He is that guy. He's the guy you want with the ball in his hands at the end of every single game. Yeah. Um, his mid-range, he's a mid-range killer. He can drive to the rim and explode on people better than most guys in the NBA. And when he just gets it in his head to take the threes when they come to him and not force him, he's really good. Yeah. Um, he's got some issues where he doesn't really understand, should I drive here? Should I shoot? Um, he got, he's got to start every game just by driving hard to the hole yeah. because it opens up the rest of his game. But what's right. funny with him is like, I agree with you a hundred percent. Like he is, if he put his mind to it, he would be a top five rim presence in the league just with yeah. his physicality, speed, size, everything. He's unstoppable. But he had a few games last year where he hit like eight or nine threes in a yes. game. So if it's becoming to this point where he's just like, hey, fuck it, I'm going to hit seven threes tonight, then maybe he knows more than me. And maybe yeah. he can drive whenever he feels like it. But I would like to see him drive a little more. But holy shit, man, like his shooting leveled up big time last year. Like he was yeah. a 36% three point shooter. We're On assuming... eight and a half threes a game. That's a right. lot of threes to be taken. Exactly. And we probably assume that ticks up maybe one or two more percent. So yeah. I, I'm all for him doing whatever the fuck he wants to do. I think it could tick up to like 39. Yeah. Um. I really, because you watch him when things are going well, and it feels like he cannot miss from anywhere on the floor. Um. I really love this dude's play. Carl uh, Anthony Towns as a four is going to be one of the most interesting experiments we've seen. I don't know if they're going to stagger it with Rudy and Carl and have, you know, both of them play the center. Sometimes they got uh, Vanderbilt and he might t wait, did they get rid of Vanderbilt? They got rid of Vanderbilt. Well, they have McDaniels yeah. and McDaniels is a great rim protector. So you can leave him and cat on the floor as the four and five at the same time. Um, they got rid of a bunch of their extra pieces. So it's really going to be top heavy in yeah. terms of who's doing the damage on the team. Um, but I'm just excited to watch them play, man. I am too. I just think they're going to be super unique. And I know Rudy Gobert's stock is pretty low right now. Like people are just not very happy with him, but yeah. he's a valuable player. I do not care what people say. Like he will bring wins to this team. He yes. will make this team better. And you brought up, they got kind of rid of all of their like role player pieces. So this Pat starting Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, all of them. Like this is a pretty top heavy lineup in terms of just like, it's D'Angelo Russell, Ant, uh, Jaden McDaniels, Cat, Rudy Gobert, and then you have Kyle Anderson and Torian Prince off the bench. And and Nas Reed's actually a good player. I like him too. But then it kind of starts to go like we have nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> like it goes it goes by quick. But the starting five should be pretty good. I agree. Yeah. I I'm. Uh, you gave me a look there. If we're just going to move on here. You gave me a look there because my seventh seed is the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah, that's, um, that's And that's absurd. really low. But I like the six teams I put above. Oh, actually, uh, no, we'll do seven and then we'll take a break. Okay. Um, just because I needed to talk about this. Yeah. 
Memphis Grizzlies are a really talented team. I can't take anything away from what they've done the past couple of years, what they've been able to do with draw out. And just like with the lack of talent that they seem to have, they dominate anyways. Um, I like the six teams I have above them better. That's really all it comes down to. I wouldn't be surprised if the Memphis Grizzlies end up a three seed somehow next year. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I think this is more what I want to see. Um, they just don't have top end talent. They're never going to, this squad is never going to make a conference finals. I don't think, um, I think the guys above them, the six teams I have above them have much higher ceilings in terms of playoff potential. All right. I'm not, I mean, I, I just, you're right. They don't have top end talent. They have a first team all NBA guard in John Morant. Yeah. And then all, everyone else is a B. Yeah. I've talked about this for two years now. I think they should group up all their B players and trade it for an A. Mm-hmm. They just don't do it. And I don't think they have interest in doing it either. Um, But I don't know. I don't know. I feel like... I'm maybe low on John Morant. That might be what it is. People act like he's be. this dude that you want to build a franchise around above all other players. Yeah. And why? It's not, he's not a great three point shooter. He is, you know, him and Trey Young are very, very similar players. Um, John Morant is a worse playmaker. He's a better finisher around the rim. He's a worse shooter and he's a better defender, but they're both bad. Um, but we act like Trey Young is this bum who you do not want to start a franchise, build a franchise around. And then John Morant's the guy. And there's not much difference in what those guys do. So you're kind of right they they're similar in the sense that they're guards that are both pretty bad at defense that score a lot of points. I think the thing with jaw is he has the it factor, whatever that shit is, he has it. He's hitting game winning playoff uh, layups. He's hitting game winners in the regular season. He's going toe to toe with the best players in the league. Like there's something about him that makes you confident that he can run a franchise. And I know we, like a lot of like under 25 lists have come out this summer, just like ranking players under 25. And it's pretty consistently Luca one Tatum two, John Morant three. And I think that's okay. I think that's okay. I like John Morant a lot. I kind of understand what you're saying though. Like he is a six foot three guard who struggles on defense, but at the end of the day, there's something about him that just kind of makes you like, I'm comfortable with him taking us to the promised land. And I, <clears throat> I think that's fine, but I think we felt the same way about Trey Young when he was cooking the Knicks two years ago. When he made that Eastern Conference run, we thought, okay, I was wrong about him. This guy is the dude. Um, and I just, I don't know. I think it's a little high. I'd rather have yeah. Ant Edwards than Jaw. I'd rather have Evan Mobley. I'd rather have Zion. Um, I think Zion and Jaw is where, you, where the argument starts. I think I agree with you on all three of what you just said. I'd rather have Zion, if healthy, obviously. That's a, yeah. huge, that's a huge thing. But Mobley, obviously, I'm taking him over. And, and Edwards, same. So, like, I don't disagree, but he just seems like a guy who's going to be consistent for a really long time. Right, and so, they've got the receipts. They've been doing it. They've been successful year after year with this guy at the helm. Exactly. But I'm not. I'm actually not going to fight you too much on that. I think... I can see why there would be some variance with your opinion on John Morant for sure. Okay. Um, before we go, who's your seventh seed? Uh, New Orleans. So okay. I already gave a little breakdown on them on paper. I love it. I just want to see it in person. I want to see if it fits as well as I think it's going to. Um, the last time Zion was out there, they weren't a winning team. 
they had an ultra good player, but they were not a winning team. I want to see if bringing a top 12 talent back onto your team equates to wins. I think there's some reasons to be a little bit concerned. Definitely, uh, when Zion was healthy, there were some issues with him and Brandon Ingram, yes. where Ingram did not like having the, the ball taken out of his hands. He was the guy at all times. And then Zion comes back and he's immediately relegated to, you know, a second guy, a Jalen Brown type role. Yeah. Um, and I don't think Brandon Ingram was really a fan of that. Um, but since then, they've got Jonas Valanciunas. They've got Jose Alvarado, Trey Murphy, Larry Nance, uh, Garrett Temple. They've yeah. got a lot of new pieces. CJ McCollum, obviously. Um, <clears throat> they're, you know, half this team was not around the last time Zion was healthy. Right. Um, so I'm still excited, but I think obviously a seven seed is reasonable for, you know, the production that we've seen from them so far. Yeah. And I'm just, I think players' roles are going to change a lot. And I think that's what's going to be like Jonas Valanciunas. Yes, he started shooting threes last year, but he's still a back-to-the-basket post-presence. That is yeah. his game, and he's very freaking good at it. Yeah, he is. Uh, Brandon Ingram, running pick-and-roll, being the guy, being the leading shot-taker. Like you said, he's going to have to be a second option. And CJ McCollum, same thing. Pick-and-roll, shoot, like, second option. Now he's relegated to the third. And Zion's going to be running pick-and-roll. I just want to let people know. Like, when Zion was a rookie, they kind of tried to use him as, like, a back-to-the-basket dude. And then once um, whoever took over, they started using him as a – or no, it was the same was, coach, Stan yeah, Van Gundy, who's a bum-ass coach, unfortunately. Just later in the season, yeah. that's what happened. When he first started, he was a back-to-the-basket guy. By the end of the season, he was running pick-and-roll, diming people up, dunking on people's heads. Like, he's going to be running a lot of pick-and-roll. So there's going to be three guys sharing that responsibility all in the starting lineup. On paper, the talent looks ridiculous. Yeah. I just want to see it on the court. I think there's a reason to believe in Willie Green as the coach and having him kind of hold everybody's egos in check Fair. better than Stan Van Gundy was able to do. But it is a thing, you know, the the six teams you have above the Pelicans, I don't think there's any issue with it. Um, they've all proven themselves a little more, except for the T-Wolves, but, you know, we're just excited for their for what they're going to be. Right. Um it's, we have the same top seven, just in different orders. I think that's interesting. Yeah, the biggest variance is the Grizzlies and the Pelicans because me and you just have them swapped. Yeah. Um, but so we're going to take a quick break and then we'll go through eight through 15. All right, and we're back. So we've gone through our one through seven for the Western Conference. And now we're going to start at the eight seed and move our way down. Um, I think there's going to be some different answers that we have here for eight through 10, eight through 11, maybe. But my eight seed is going to be the Dallas Mavericks. Um, it's a little bit concerning losing Jalen Brunson. And by a little bit, I mean it's a lot concerning because he was their second option. Uh, adding Christian Wood, I think, is excellent. I think he's going to be really good for this team. I think he's going to play a lot harder than he played in Houston. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned having them as my eight seed because I think there's a chance some shit goes wrong. But Luka is just one of the best players in the NBA, and it's hard to – imagine him not making the playoffs yeah I hate this roster basically other than Luka Doncic uh, I think Tim Hardaway Jr. has gotten a lot of run for a lot of years on a contract that's probably a little too much for him um, but then you have guys like Spencer Dinwiddie whose role just like drastically increased with Jalen Brunson gone like are we super confident he can live up to that same thing Reggie Bullock's a decent player Maxi Kleba I think is very good Doria Finney-Smith is very good 
Christian, actually, maybe I don't hate this roster as much as I thought I did. I just think they took a little step down by losing Brunson. Maybe that's where I'm at. Yeah. Because I think Brunson, what he was able to provide was super, super valuable. And now you're expecting guys to make up for that production that I don't really think are used to making up that production. So I don't know. I'm interested to see this team. I think Luca having like two centers that have very different roles, like Christian Wood can shoot the three and then Dwight Powell can crash the rim. I think that will be nice for a little bit of flexibility, but I don't know. I I think I just like all of the teams I listed above them. And I I just think to have Dallas in the playoffs is really just a sign of how much I respect Luca. Yeah. So who is your eight seed? It's Dallas. We have the same one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we have, I mean, we have similar reasons. Yeah. Um, I do. I think they got a lot of good rotation pieces. And the thing that surprised me the most with the Mavericks last year was how good their defense was. Um, that was not something I thought the Mavs were going to be able to hang their hat on. Luca has never been a good defender. He, he tried his ass off in the playoffs and you got to give him credit for that. Um, but they have good defensive pieces. Dorian Finney-Smith guards really well. Dwight Powell, Reggie Bullock, Josh Green, even. Maxi Kleba, they got a lot of pieces that are just out there to play good defense and then get scrap buckets. Um, and with a dude who's putting up 39 and nine, the way that Luca does, you kind of just need that. You can't like let Luca cook, let him yeah. score, and then just do the extra work for him. Um, Jason Kidd, even though he's a scumbag person, scumbag human being, it turns out he's gotten better as a coach. He was terrible in the Bucks days, um, but he's gotten a lot better as a coach. I it was a toss up for me between the Mavs and the Lakers because it's hard to imagine LeBron not being in the playoffs again. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and their ceiling, the Lakers ceiling is ridiculous, but I'm going to stick with the Mavs at eight. Yeah. And I'll just move to the Lakers because it's my nine seed and it's your Same. nine seed as well. Um, I think the only thing preventing this team from being a playoff team is injuries. And I hate being the injury guy and it's not fun to talk about and it's sad, but it's true. Uh, yes. LeBron is becoming increasingly brittle. Um, it's not his fault. The man is fucking 40 years old. Um, like the fact he's even playing the way he's playing is a little ridiculous. Um, but they desperately need him to play. And he just doesn't play that often. We go back to 2020, 2021 season. He played 45 games. And then last year he played 56. Um, it's He's not a Iron Man anymore. He's just not. Um, so I don't know. And Anthony Davis is the king of injuries. Uh, he is the most glass bones dude in the entire fucking league. So just thinking about how many games those two are going to miss, it just makes it hard to believe that they can make the playoffs over a team that has Luka Doncic or over a team that is healthy, like the New Orleans Pelicans. I agree. Anthony Davis has never played a full season in the NBA. Not once. Um, and he, I, I don't expect him to be healthy. And the thing that's crazy for me, and I think you might feel the same way, is if they just waived Russell Westbrook, not even traded for anybody, just cut him from the team, they would be a higher seed. Um, I believe in them more. Russell Westbrook is such a negative to your team. I don't care that if people don't like hearing that. I yeah. He's not a good basketball player anymore. He's not a positive to your team. 18, 7, and 7, those may look like good numbers on paper, but you go watch him and he's 10th in turnovers. He's one of the worst, like most least efficient shooters in the entire NBA. He misses more layups than anybody else. 
Uh, he misses wide open dunks. He is not a positive member on your team anymore. He just isn't. He's past that point in his life because he doesn't want to play defense and he doesn't want to make good decisions with the basketball. He wants to do Rondo assists where if you're wide open running to the hoop and there's three seconds left on the shot clock, he'll whip you a pass and maybe he'll whip it out of bounds. Um, the Russell Westbrook, I mean, we, we hate him enough in this podcast. We, yeah. there's been enough Russell Westbrook slander on this podcast to go around, but I think it's well-deserved. He's got to get the hell off this team. Yeah. We've done enough Westbrook slander for a lifetime. Yeah. And me personally, just on my personal time alone, yeah. and I I'm not done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to continue right now. I'm going to add more <laughs> Westbrook <laughs> slander. Um, we texted about it this morning, man. It's like for the raw stats people out there where they look at the points column, they look at the rebounds column, and they look at the assists column. They look at him and go, hey, that's not bad. 18-7-7, and that's pretty good. And honestly, 18-7-7 is okay. The context matters so much. He is one of the worst finishers around the room, around the rim. He's one of the worst three-point shooters in the league. He's one of the worst mid-range shooters in the league. He's one of the worst passers in the league. So it is just those stats are just an accumulation of him playing a ton of minutes and being healthy because really he has been a very healthy player throughout his career, except yeah. for the one year that Patrick Beverly sabotaged his knee. Yeah. Um, other than that, like he has been an extremely consistent player in terms of games played, but I challenge anyone who is a Russell Westbrook stan or fan or whatever the fuck go watch, just choose any game from last year, literally any single one and watch it from start to finish and ask your count. How many times you have to ask yourself, what the fuck was that? And that should let you know how bad of an NBA player he is. There are games that I had watched last year and, and years prior, because I've been hating on him since he won the MVP. I thought that was the dumbest shit ever that he won the MVP. There are There's no player in the league that makes more stupid mistakes than Russell Westbrook, and it's not close. So like you said, like if you just drop him from your team, your ceiling just objectively goes up. What sucks for the Lakers is that they have no talent anywhere. So they're in this position where they're paying a guy $40 million who is better than the players behind 47. him. Get it? 40, $47 million. Right. He's better than the players behind him, but he's <laughs> awful because of the way he likes to play. So yeah. they're just in a lose-lose. They need to get rid of him. They need to make a trade somehow. I would rather have role players that were slightly above average than Russell Westbrook. Yes. Um, at least they'd know their place. Um, Russell Westbrook's usage rate was 27% last season, which is so much higher than it should ever be. The only thing he does well at this point in his career is rebound. And you do not need your six foot three point guard to rebound the ball. Well, you don't need your centers to move out of the way on free throws. So he can get a couple extra boards so he can look and say, I got seven this game. Um, right. 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 I want to say something. I, Kendrick Perkins, I think is probably one of the worst analysts out there yeah like in just what he says it just mm -hmm. all of it's fucking stupid everything he says is stupid he a couple weeks ago said that russell westbrook and patrick beverly are going to be the most dangerous defensive backcourt in the league and i i i almost broke my phone i all i that shit people for whatever reason russ has a reputation of being a good defender back in his days he doesn't fucking do anything on defense. He doesn't no. do anything. He never he, has. He watches the ball zip around. He does not move his feet. He loses his assignment 
constantly. He's not big or strong enough to really deal with anyone bigger than him. He can guard his position well, and that's it. Like, why the fuck do we think this guy's a good defender, especially at this stage of his career? Like, right now, he's just objectively a absolutely horrible defender. Maybe when he was at his peak athleticism, he could be passable, but he still wasn't like an all-defense guy or a guy that was valuable on that side of the ball. That that drove me crazy. The Lakers, man, like they have LeBron James, who's probably going to put up 25 points per game again next year. They have Anthony Davis, who's amazing. But the rest of the roster is just butt cheeks. So I think if Russell Westbrook isn't traded at any point in this season, uh, the Lakers ownership is a failure, a miserable, abject failure. There are some trades you can make. And I know what they don't want to get rid of those two first round picks, 2027 and 2029. I know it. Um, I don't think it matters. I think that it's time for them to shut up and trade Russell Westbrook in those picks. We sent three potential trades to each other back and forth this morning. Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward to the Hornets, uh, Mike Conley and Boyan Bogdanovich of the Jazz, and Buddy Heald and Miles Turner of the Pacers. Any of those groups of two, you could trade and send out Russell Westbrook and send out a couple picks, and your team instantly becomes much better. Um, I think it's time for them to do any of those things because it's acting like Russell Westbrook is going to start playing defense because they got a new coach in Darvin Ham, which nobody knows. Um, and suddenly Russell Westbrook's inspired or whatever. It, it's he's not that guy. He's never been that guy. It's and a it's damn a, shame because LeBron James yeah. is too good at basketball to be surrounded by glass bones and paper skin and Russell Westbrook. And it's sad because like we are seeing the end of LeBron's career. He's not gonna be this good forever. No. Or maybe he will be, but he'll he'll retire eventually. That yeah. that we know that. Um and it's being wasted. Yes. Completely. Anthony Davis is just the wrong guy to tie your future to just because of his injury concerns. Yeah. And to trade for Russell Westbrook, who everyone, like even the even some of the dumbest people out there in media recognize that they he has some real struggles in his game. To pair that with AD and think that you're going to go somewhere. It's just not going to work. It's sad. It's a bummer because we, I'd honestly like, I'm not a huge LeBron fan, but I appreciate grace, greatness. I'd like to see him still competing at this age rather than just fade into the darkness. Like I'd yes. like to see him still play playoff games. Yes. And I also kind of, there's a part of me that wants to say, I watched the greatest player of all time play basketball and winning more rings puts him deeper into that conversation. Uh, there's already some people who feel like he is. There's some people who feel like he'll never be. Doesn't matter what he does. Um, we were watching greatness Celtics Lakers rivalry be damned. I want to see him succeed. Yeah. He's awesome. I want to see him do well. And it's unfortunate that he's probably not going to be able to on this team. Um, moving on the 10 seat. I think there's two teams you could put here and yeah. the team I'm putting here is the Portland trailblazers. Okay. Yeah. Same. Um, so we're, ha we have less variance than we thought. Yeah. I was expecting a lot more. I'm just a believer in Damian Lillard. I think this is his best starting five that he's had on this team. Um, it seems like he's come out and said recently, like regardless of the wins and losses, I'm staying in Portland, which just, you know, depresses me, but that's what it is. He can have a statue up for his, you know, first round wins, um, whatever it is. I'm 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 sick of pretending like he's going to go somewhere and win someday. This is his team. Yeah. Um, he wants that legacy. That's fine. Um, 
they got a good starting five though. Jeremy Grant, Damian Lillard, Yusuf Nurkic, uh, Anthony Simons, and then who was their three? Josh Hart. Josh Hart. Yeah. Um, that's not bad, man. Outside of that, it's ass. Gary Payton the second is good. Justice Winslow might be a basketball player. Um, they really have seven basketball players and then a team full of bums. But we've watched Damian Lillard carry a team full of bums to the playoffs before. Sneaky, sneaky headline for this team, Shaden Sharp off the bench. Um, yeah, we've talked about how polarizing he's going to be uh, in this upcoming season. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're a few months removed from all the rookie stuff and all of our draft coverage and stuff like that. But if you go and listen back, like me and you both think he has a chance to be a very good player one day. Yes, but he also has a chance to kind of flame out. I think that's something that needs to be watched throughout the regular season because he's going to get bench minutes and they're just going to tell him, go get your points. And how efficiently he does that and how effectively he does that could potentially raise this team's ceiling because if they have an extra guy that can like approach 15 points a game on decent efficiency, that's huge. Yeah, I agree. Um, We haven't seen it from Shaden Sharp. His whole story was he balled the hell out in high school And then he reclassified once he got to Kentucky and missed the year that would have been his freshman year to help prep for the NBA. And because he knew he was going to be a top 10 pick, he just declared for the draft instead of playing a year in college. Um, So we've never seen him play meaningful basketball. We have no idea what this dude's going to be. His potential is he could be a six scorer. And there's some things, if you've watched some of his most important high school ball, some of the All-American stuff, there's some reasons to believe that he can do some intangibles. He's more than just a guy who gets sick mid-range buckets. Um, But, you know, there's reasons to believe it. We have no concrete proof. We've seen a couple of flashes. And just to, like, give a quick recap on who he is as a prospect, ball hog with good intangibles, and is a fucking lights out shooter and dribbler who has a 40 inch vertical. Yeah. That, that is who he is. Like he is a ball hog, no question, mm-hmm. but he is hitting contested threes from 35 feet with efficiency. So he is a very, very unique prospect. We'll see. We'll see how that works out. But Portland in general, man, I have a lot of respect for Dame. I think he's a very, very good player. Um, But there's a lot of fucking good teams in the West this year, man. And it's, it's nothing against him. But this organization has been run poorly for a long time. And it's, I mean, we're starting to see that bear fruit because even now when they traded for good pieces and they made decent moves, it doesn't matter because so many other teams are ahead of them. Yeah, there's some there's some part of me that wants to see Portland fail just because the shit they pulled last year with Chauncey Billups um, and the whole like bringing around Decky Hammond and acting like they were going to hire her as a coach and then absolutely shitting on her in their release and picking up Chauncey Billups. Um, shout out to Becky Hammond because the Vegas Aces just won the WNBA finals and they played fucking great. Um, that woman can coach and it's fucking stupid that we ended up with Chauncey Billups as the head coach of this Trailblazers team. That was a devastating mistake by them. Yes. It does not like Becky Hammond was the right hire. No question. No doubt. And then instead they beat they bring in someone who has accusations against them from a long time ago of like sexual misconduct or even assault. I forget which one it is. I don't want to say anything out of turn here, but I one just from like a PR perspective, disaster, but also from just a motivation, tactician, X's and O's, just a bonehead fucking decision. Yes. 
Chauncey Billups showed nothing last year. And I know his roster was cheap. So I don't like, we'll see. He has this year to kind of prove otherwise, but I was listening to a podcast and he blitzed pick and rolls more than anyone in the entire league. And it let their defense just get hammered every fucking play. Yes. Cause Yusuf Nurkic is not a paint presence. Exactly. You think he can slide his feet, get into the paint and get in a position to stop buckets at the rim. No dude, he's no. a fucking glacier. So yes. It's common sense. It was a horrible move from the Portland at the time. We yes. both said that. We were both passionate about that. And now seeing the Aces win the championship in the WNBA just reiterates that feeling. It, Absolutely. It's, it's just she so was dumb. behind Pop. She was behind Greg Popovich as her as his assistant for so long. Um, every coach that we've seen sit in that system for years has ended up thriving. Mike Budenholzer, Ime Udoka. Um, there's more that I can't think of right now, but Becky yeah. Hammond is obviously a good coach. She coaches one year in the WNBA and the Aces win the title. Um, it's so dumb that Chauncey Billups is the Blazers head coach. And they did a little character assassination when they didn't pick her about how she just wasn't good enough for the job or whatever. It was it was stupid. Angers me just talking about it. Yeah, here's Honestly. a team that I want to do better than the Blazers. Sacramento I, Kings. I fucking do it, yeah. Um, I, I've been high and low on this team. I talked about them potentially being a play-in team earlier in the, the offseason here. Um, I think they got a, a really, really easy chance to be better than the Portland Trailblazers. Um, they went out and got more rotation pieces. They have a good head coach for the first time in a long time. Um, they got actual rotation players, Della Vadova, Kevin Herter, uh, Davion Mitchell was good. Terrence Davis is good. Sabonis. I, I mean, I could go on and on. Keegan Murray was a great first round pick. Yes. Um, this team's floor is higher in my opinion than the Blazers. Um, but I think I just, I believe in Dame carrying bums higher. Yeah. Dame's the best player out of these two teams. It's not yeah. close. It, yeah. It's there's no competition, but we saw with De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis on the end of the season last year, like Fox was averaging 28 points per game at the last stretch of the season. That's very impressive stuff. And Sabonis was giving you like 20 and 12 and five at that stretch at the last season. So, I mean, it was impressive stuff from those guys. And I love Keegan Murray. I think that was a very good choice after seeing summer league and just seeing him dominate all of those dudes whether it was catch and shoot from three off the dribble threes driving to the rim post-ups mid-range like he was so efficient from every single area of the court mm -hmm. and that was kind of his pre-draft summary too like hey this guy can kind of shoot from everywhere this guy can score wherever he is and we saw it play out in real time so he's gonna get open looks from De'Aaron Fox he's gonna get open looks from Sabonis and he's gonna be flanked with shooting too with uh Kevin Herter. Monk just joined this team and Malik Monk, that's what I was, Kevin Herter and Malik Monk, both yeah. of those guys are snipers, so I don't know, like, this team has some promise, um, I actually have them in the same seat as you, I have them 11th as well, um, I think they're in that weird spot where they're good enough to not be horrible, but they're bad enough to not, can like, compete for a playoff spot, they're in a really weird situation, but I think this team's actually going to be a sneaky, underrated watch, this upcoming year like I think they're going to be pretty fun to to watch I think there's going to be a point in the season where they're like sixth in the west and some teams behind them there's some better teams that just haven't figured it out yet yeah. and then once the regular season comes to an end they slide out of the plan yeah um, that is just the story of the kings um but I I mean 
this is one of the best teams that we've seen since like Chris Weber was on the team. And I think I was three at that time. Um, so, you know, they, they got the best chance they've had in a while to be at least a play in team. Yeah. And that counts for something because Kings fans have been tortured. I mean, they didn't even fucking make the play in last year. Yeah. Um, uh, the Spurs beat them to it and the Spurs, I mean, they had DeJounte Murray, but they have no one else. Like, right. I, I, so, and talking about the Spurs, actually, that's my 12th seed. Um, they have no talent, zero talent, probably the worst watch in the league, but they have one of the greatest head coaches of all time. And I really believe in coaching in the NBA. I feel like in the NFL and the NBA, coaching matters a lot, even though you can have LeBron with David Blatt and still bring a team like to the first seed. There's definitely instances of that in the NBA. I also think when you have a group of players that really buy in and trust their coach, you can you can overachieve. And we saw that with the Celtics back with Brad Stevens and Isaiah Thomas. And, you know, for the Spurs to be the 12th seed, it's overachieving because the roster is fucking horrible. But they have Greg Popovich. I'm putting them at 12. I think it's reasonable. I don't have them as the 12th seed. I think they have the least talent in all of the NBA. Um, I I don't want to see them be the 12 seed. I think Greg Popovich could do it. Um, he is the best coach that the NBA has ever seen. You know, Phil Jackson maybe. Um, but there's an argument to be had there. But Greg Popovich is one of the goats. Um, you just go looking through this lineup, and it's a team full of absolute bums. Keldon Johnson, I like. He's a good He's player. Awesome. He's, He's a good awesome. player. Jakob Pertl, I like. He's got to get off this team. Josh Richardson's a good player, and then after that, it's nothing. Um, it's, you know, whatever Jeremy Sohan ends up being. And then my boy, Romeo Langford, um, <laughs> who was right about that, by the yeah. way, who, who could have predicted that he's not an NBA player? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're not a talented team then. They're actually my bottom seed. Um, I, they're 15. They're 15. Whoa. And I think, uh, what it takes. What it takes for them to be the 15th seed is Greg Popovich just sitting out and letting the assistants work. Um, I don't think the Spurs want to be the 12th seed. I think they want the best chance at Weminyama. Um, I I think it's probably unlikely that the Spurs end up being the 15th seed, but they're very clearly the least talented team in the NBA. I agree with with the talent aspect. Absolutely. I just feel like they're going to try harder than other teams. Yeah. And and they're going to focus on the intangibles. Like they'll actually have an okay defense. Like I'm going to go to the, the 13th team, the Rockets. Let me, let me go to my 12th real quick. Actually, yeah, I think no. you're going to hate this. Oh yeah. That's right. That's uh, my 12th seed is the Utah jazz. Uh, I think they I may have those swapped. Explain. Um, because they still got Mike Conley, Rudy Gay, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, Colin Sexton, Ochai Agbaji. Um, that's a whole bunch of Jordan Clarkson, Boyan Bogdanovich. That's eight talented players. You know, True. those are Keldon Johnson is the only guy from the Spurs that you could argue is better than any of those guys I just named. Correct. Um, they still have oh, they have a new head coach actually, who I don't have a lot of faith in, but that's a lot of role players. Actually, I think you would like this head coach. It yeah. was Ime Udoka's top assistant, Will Hardy. Oh, yeah. And he worked in the Spurs system for a little yeah. while. Yeah. So maybe that's a reason to believe in them. I, I just think they have too many rotation players to bottom out. This is my take with that team because I have them 14th. I have the Jazz 14th. Okay. 
I think they don't have those players past the all-star break. I think every single one of those guys gets shipped for a future second or a protected first or unprotected first in the Lakers case. Like I think those players are moving and it is going to be Colin Sexton and Ochai Kbaji just chucking up shots. Walker Kessler. And Walker Kessler. And it's going to be a fucking easy W for every other team in the league, basically. Yeah. At the moment, they have nine talented basketball players. I just think the moment is going to evaporate. I think by season start, a lot of those guys are going to be gone. And honestly, that's the right move because this team isn't doing anything. Um, So I think that's the right move. And if that happens, they probably end up the 14 or 15th seed. But as currently constructed, they're just too talented to be a bottom three seed. I agree. I agree. Um, So my 13 seed is the Rockets. I'm buying a Jalen Green uh, leap. Not a crazy leap. Like, I don't think he's going to become an all-star or anything. I do think he's going to get better. I we think saw... he's going to be – oh, sorry. I'll just say – No, go, go. I think he's going to be what he was the last two months of the season. Just yes. right out the gate. That works for me. Um, And they got Jabari Smith, who we both like. Um, They got Tari Eason, who we both like. They mm-hmm. have a unique uh, wing – combination with those two rookies but at the end of the day they're fucking young they're so young a lot of their important players are either in their second or first year and kevin porter jr's in his third year some of the stats i've seen for him this summer make it have shocked me a little bit like some of them are better but i just think he's one of the worst teammates and worst team guys in the entire league I think as long as he scores 18 points and the Rockets are the worst team in the league, he's a very happy man. Um, So I don't believe in this team. I think we'll see some individuals play well, but as a team, I think they're going to lose a million games. They are not a unit. Um, We, me and you are both 22 years old. We are older than 10 players on this current Houston Rockets team, Um, which is insanity. It's absolutely insanity. Um, they're not a good team at all, but they have so much like random talent across their team. I think Jalen Green's destined to be an all-star very soon. Um, Josh Christopher seems really good on this team. I love Shengun. Uh, I think his ceiling is not all-star worthy just because he's on this team and they suck. But who knows if they ever start being good, what he'll be. Um, they have one old player on this team. Oh, they have two. They have Boban. Yeah. Um, and then they have Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon's really the only one with any sort of real experience as a guy playing in games that matter. Um, But the young talent they have is awesome, man. I love their young talent. I love their young talent more than most teams, young talent. Um, Jabari Smith and Tari Eason are awesome together. You're right. Kevin Porter Jr. is a stats over impact kind of guy. Um, He's really talented. He's really skilled, but he doesn't really care about winning basketball games. I think. Um, I don't know what to expect from them, but I have them at the same seed as you. Yeah, I'm. I'm just not that. <sighs> Kevin Porter Jr. He just annoys me as a player. Um, 14th, I had the Jazz. We spoke about that. I think all those guys are going to leave. Who do you have at 14? Or do you want to just do the last? I have the Oklahoma City Thunder at 14. Um, oh, because you have the Spurs last. That's yeah, right. I don't hate them as much as you hate them. Uh, yeah. A couple episodes ago, we reamed into them for like 30 minutes yeah. about how much of a bum that team was and how they're going nowhere. I don't, I'm don't. i not as much of a doomsday guy when it comes to the Thunder. 
Um, but obviously they're not talented enough to be anything more than a bottom three seed in the West. Yeah. And my final team, the Thunder. I, I did freaking like 25 minutes on them the last podcast or two podcasts ago. Um, I just, I just think they're awful. And I, I'm, I'm, I actually want to talk about it a little bit more. Cause I mentioned it in the other podcast when I did my Thunder rant, yeah. like, what are your thoughts on Josh Giddy? Like, how much do you value him moving forward? So just in terms of what that kid can do, he is an excellent game manager. Um, he is not really a shooter yet. His shooting mechanics are not great. And awful um, percentages to back that up. Like, yes, truly yes. horrible. He's got to rework the way he shoots threes before we believe in him as a shooter. But there aren't a lot of guys who can run a game the way that he can. He's 19 years old, or he was 19 years old last year. Um, he actually hasn't even turned 20 yet. Um, he's about as young as they get in the NBA. And still, I see some passes from him that other guys are not capable of. Um, I see him being like, I don't know, maybe like a six, eight kind of Mike Conley esque, not in terms of shooting the ball, but in terms of just setting up everybody else on your team and occasionally getting the shots to come to you. I think he's starter level, uh, you know, a couple of years down the line. Do you think he ever like, cause you brought up Mike Conley. Do you think he can get to the point of Mike Conley where for years and years, he's like the fourth point guard that never makes the all-star team or yeah. like, Mike okay. Conley got a legacy vote for the All-Star game on a year that yeah. he was not very good. He was always the best guy to have never made an All-Star game. Right. Um, I think that sort of thing is feasible for Josh Giddy being a really good player that's just never, you know, filling the stats enough to be an All-Star. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, three years from now, he could start on any team. Yeah, so the reason I bring this up again is I, I just – I see some parallels between him and Ricky Rubio. Um, and Ricky Rubio, comparison. Ricky Rubio's an awesome, very valuable player. You know how highly I think of Ricky Rubio. Yeah. But at the end of the day, Ricky Rubio is a sixth man or just a table setting point guard on a good team. Like he, he was the starting point guard for the jazz at one point when they were winning 50 games. Like mm -hmm. he's very capable. Um, but I think for Thunder fans, like they think Josh Giddy might have like future all-star written on him. And I think for Josh Giddy, I see more of Lonzo Ball slash Ricky Rubio moving forward. Who who are like very good players, table setters, valuable pieces. The sort of guy you really want on your team. Right. But they're not like flipping your franchise around. They're not guys that are like, all right, we're tying our horse to this carriage and they're going to bring us to where we need to go. That's true. So I, I'm a, I'm a little like I'm very curious to see what he does this season because like we talked about, Chet's hurt. So there's not like a young rookie we get to like super root for on this Thunder this year. So we kind of just have to develop. We have to watch Giddy's development, and that will say a lot to me, like how he improves from his rookie year to this year. He's just a guy I enjoy watching. Um, he is, he seems like he's never sped up or slowed down. He plays at his own pace. Um, I just expect <clears throat> his three point shot to look entirely different a few years down the line because the way he shoots now, just, it isn't going to go in. It's really ugly. Um, and who knows when that offense starts to turn around, if that offense starts to turn around scoring wise, what he could be. 
Um, but we watched him in the summer league and I know you can't take too much away from summer league, but he was one of the best guys out there. I think he was the best guy in summer league this year. Like he just, the way he controlled the pace, the way he controlled the game, the way he fed Chet. Yeah. Like he was clearly the best guy. out. And I know that doesn't mean he's got all-star written on him or anything, but it is a good sign. It's always a good sign when you see a guy that you want to succeed, just absolutely cook in the summer league. He yeah. was he did whatever he wanted. He got wherever he wanted on the court. Um, I think that was really promising. I think so too. And I don't want this to get misconstrued as like I hate Josh Giddy, because I actually like watching him and I think he's a good player. I think expectations for him might be a little too high. I think that from what I view him and the way I evaluate him, I picture him as a guy who's setting the table, can rebound really well and pass really well. He cannot play defense at all. And he cannot shoot at all. And those are important things. Um, yes, he's six foot eight, so that helps him a little bit on the defensive end, but he has slow feet. And when he's trying to guard guards, they fucking fly past him. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I just think this year for the Thunder is going to be really depressing. I touched on that a little bit with Chet hurt. And just, just because Chet's hurt. Chet's, dude, Chet's hurt. Your guy is hurt. And then you have Giddy, who's been talking up chat all summer long too and now it's kind of like you just have to root for giddy again and hope he turns into something more I'm, than rookie i'm gonna Rubia. say i predict a second team all rookie selection for jalen williams um the thunder aren't gonna be doing much he's gonna get the opportunity to take a lot of shots he seems like a guy who's really good at shooting when he needs to passing the ball when there's somebody else open um doesn't seem like there's a lot of holes in jalen williams game offensively I expect, I think there's a good chance he makes second team all rookie. I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. I think he's going to be a good player. I think he's going to be a role player. He's going to be a connector. He's going to get hit open threes. He'll be a valuable rookie for sure. But yeah, that's, that's not changing the thunder in my opinion from getting out of the last seed in the West. Yeah, correct. And that, I mean, I have them second to last just because of the Spurs, but if you're betting on, you know, Greg Popovich or Mark Dinalt, um, Obviously, Popovich is the guy you put your money behind. Right. So let's run through our lists. I had the Clippers first, Nuggets second, Warriors third, Grizzlies fourth, Suns fifth, Wolves sixth. So that's the playoff. And then seven, New Orleans, eight, Dallas, Lakers nine, Portland 10, Kings 11, Spurs 12, Rockets 13, Jazz 14th, and then the Thunder 15th. And I have Clippers, Nuggets, Warriors, Pelicans, Suns, T-Wolves as the top six. And then Grizzlies, Mavs, Lakers, Blazers fighting for a play-in. And then Kings, Jazz, Rockets, Thunder, Spurs bottoming out. I like both both of our lists. Yeah. I think both of them are pretty reasonable. Mm-hmm. No crazy picks. No, yeah. no. Pelicans number four, Grizzlies number seven. You know, that's... that's- a little out there, but it's a not hot take, like. But I'm low on John Morant. Right. Um. So next episode we have for you guys is probably going to be our awards episode. Um. And then we'll probably just have like a few episodes before the season starts, folks. We are a month away. Yeah. That is absurd. Like this summer has flown by. I don't know if it's NFL football that's keeping me occupied. I don't know what it is, but we do not have that much time before the NBA season starts. Yeah, the dead days of the NBA offseason are over, and I'm very thankful for that because it was quite a boring time. Um, 
but yeah, we are getting very, very close. There's not too many episodes left before the season starts. All right, guys, I think that's going to wrap it up. Peace. Thanks, everybody.